People sometimes say that wisdom comes with age, which would make me very wise, but I'm just here to tell you that wisdom does not necessarily come with age. Sometimes age turns up all by itself. Now, there's sometimes some confusion between knowledge and wisdom. And here's a little example. Knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting tomatoes in a fruit salad. Now, that's, these are jokes, but you can already see that the slight difference in wisdom and knowledge is that in wisdom, often there's an action involved. You can know all sorts of things, and that's very theoretical, but when there's wisdom, wisdom actually normally involves you going and doing something, and we shall see a bit more of that in our Bible passage. So this morning, I'm going to look at human wisdom, and we've just had a little bit of the difference between knowledge and wisdom, and there's a short video of a, a well-known advert which hopefully will help clarify that. And then I'm going to look at what I'm called spiritual wisdom and the difference between that and human wisdom. And we'll look at a passage to understand the biblical view of that spiritual wisdom. And then there are a few asides which might be interesting from that passage. And then we'll think about how words of wisdom might arise and how to check that that's what they really are, because that's very important. Because words of wisdom are things that people, you often hear people talk about them, but it's very, very important that they are actually words of wisdom from God. So wisdom, ordinary wisdom, people being wise, like all other abilities, comes from God. Some people naturally have more wisdom than others, just as some people can play instruments better than others, some people can paint better than others. These are natural abilities. So that wisdom we might call natural or earthly wisdom even though, like everything else, it's given from the one creator, God. Now, here are a few, interestingly, when you look at the secular world, here are a few interesting definitions of this type of wisdom. Next slide two, please. Now, you can see, ability to use your knowledge and experience to make good decisions and judgments. Well, of course, also to make bad decisions and judgments. Ability to discern inequalities in relationships, insight, good sense, judgment, generally accepted belief accumulated philosophical or scientific learning, which could, of course, equally be wrong. Knowledge. A wise, note that, knowledge, you see. There's a confusion there. A wise attitude, belief, or course of actions. And then the most interesting one on the end, the teachings of the ancient wise men, although no definition of which wise men they might be. So note there's already some confusion, even in these definitions about knowledge and wisdoms. And so we had a talk on knowledge, and now we're very much... Although the two are very much connected, we now need to try and differentiate between them. So we'll have slide three. And right, so difference between earthly knowledge, what I've called earthly knowledge, natural knowledge, and natural wisdom. And we're going to have a very short film clip, which I'm sure will be very familiar uh, to you all. It will if you watch any sort of commercial television anyway. He's my data self. Hello. We met at Experience. Cheers. I help him with financial decisions. He's a genius. He shows me which credit cards I'm likely to be accepted for. Guilty. That's because I know things like his financial history, but not things like where to go for a pre-match point. Come on, ye reds. Find out how your data self can help you make better financial decisions at Experian. Now, who's the one in that clip with the knowledge? Come on. Who's the knowledgeable one? 
Yes, they do. <laughs> but who's who's the one with wisdom? The other one. So, a little, little, little humour there. Have slide four, please. And get away from Experian and these things. Now, this is this is uh, part of what we're looking at in the series here of one Corinthians twelve. Now, about and this is from the Amplified Bible. They put little bits. If you've never looked at the Amplified Bible, they put little bits in brackets to help you understand what it's about. So now, about the spirit, spiritual gifts, and it says in brackets the spiritual endowments given by the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, there are distinctive varieties of spiritual gifts. Again, special abilities given by the grace and extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit operating in believers. But it's the same Spirit who grants them and empowers believers. So as with the, the talk we had on knowledge, they are talking here about spiritual wisdom being something which is different to the wisdom you would normally have. However wise you might consider yourself to be, or others might consider yourself to be, there is this additional spiritual wisdom given by the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit sees fit to help you deal with situations. And that's different to the wisdom that you have normally. So if I can have the next slide, please. And there it is in 1 Corinthians 12. The order of note, you'll know all the other ones that we were talking about. We're going, going through the series, and I've just highlighted there. One person is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit. And we're going to talk later on about words of wisdom. So there's all your different ones. That, As was pointed out before, this is not meant, when Paul wrote this, this is not meant to be a definitive list of all the things that you can get from the Holy Spirit. They are examples. And this wisdom, words of wisdom, is one example. There are other examples there. There are other examples of what the Holy Spirit may deliver to you as occasion demands and as God sees fit. Thank you. Next one. So... What is this wisdom which the Spirit may choose to give us so that we may pass on a word of it? Because if we aren't given the wisdom, we can't very well pass on the words of it. Remember that in that 1 Corinthians 12 at the end, it says, so that all may benefit. Now that's very important because one of the things, the all there might be a small number or a large number, but the point is it's other people who are benefiting. Words of wisdom are not maybe given to you just for yourself, but in which case you won't even really know, other people won't know. But normally words of wisdom are for communities or for other people. And it's important that the benefit, the benefit is not to make you look good, whatever it is, the benefit is never self-aggrandizement. It's never for you to look important and holy and super wonderful. So does it consist of words of worldly wisdom from those people who've acquired some? Now if you look to those secular definitions, you might think that's what it's about. But I would venture to suggest that biblically, scripturally, that's not what it's about at all. So if we can go on, please. Now this is spiritual wisdom. Now the spiritual passage I've chosen to talk about biblical wisdom comes from the book of Proverbs. And that talks about earthly values. Some people might even say earthly wisdom in chapter 7, which we're not going to look at, uh, where men are led astray into taking on these values. But in chapter 8, we have what, uh, what the Bible describes as spiritual wisdom. So we're going to hear and see that passage now. Thank you. The cat's going to speak to us. 
<laughs> They're very wise cats. The Book of Proverbs, Chapter 8 The Excellence of Wisdom Does not wisdom cry out, and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high hill, beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction, and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign, and rulers decree justice. By me princes rule, and nobles, and the judges of the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills I was brought forth, while as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Now therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates waiting for the post of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life, and abstains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death.
slide nine. So a few asides in here. You will notice that throughout that entire passage, wisdom is referred to as she. And interestingly, for various grammatical reasons which I won't go into, in actual fact, the two words which are used, which are chokmah and sophia in Hebrew and Greek, with, because of the grammatical rules, are used as names. So very often in your Bibles, you will see this passage described as lady wisdom, or in more modern versions, Ms. Wisdom. But the point is that here you see God personified, because it's the part of the creation, this is part of the Godhead personified as female. There's nothing, the important part of that is to get away from this idea that some people have that God is male, God is masculine. These are only to do with the way the grammar works. There is no concept, God does not have a gender. Male and female do not mean anything in the Godhead. So you've got some references to male things and some references as here to persons, they're identified as personalities, as female. And that's quite important. Note also that the fear of the Lord, did anyone pick up what the fear of the Lord is? To, to hate evil, defined in there. So, you know, that's slightly different to what most people think. <clears throat> now this lady wisdom, Miss Wisdom, is the supernatural entity involved in creation. Can anyone think of another Bible passage where there's someone involved in creation, a personality in the New Testament? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And here John chooses a masculine word, because it's logos, which is a masculine word in Greek. So you can see the point that it's all to do with grammar. God is not a man, God is not male. God transcends gender. Very important. Another little aside there that you might, that's very difficult to pick up in the English, is that this entity who's involved in creation is described as a master craftsman. You'll note only in Hebrew could a woman be described as a master craftsman. But nonetheless, that's what, that's what happens. And that actually, in, just an aside, that's Ammon in Hebrew. And if you translate that and you look at the Greek version, it's tekton. And that's exactly the word which is used to describe Joseph, the husband of Mary. So there's something a little thought for you as we come up to Christmas. That he was a tekton, a master craftsman. So no male, no female. And the reason John, of course, obviously uses a different word is because it would be a bit awkward to talk about Jesus, who obviously was incarn incarnated as a male human being, to talk about him using a female pronoun, that would that really not work. But essentially, we need to get into our heads this idea that God does not have a gender. Right, the next slide, please. So note this, the important thing about that Proverbs 8 as well, is that when you look at that, the wisdom that, is being described there is the wisdom that God had to create all the universe. This master craftsman, female, who designed all the things is part of the creation process, part of the Godhead. So when we start talking about spiritual wisdom and getting a word of wisdom, we're talking about something that comes from the Godhead itself. This is the source. And so this is very much unlike human wisdom, because 
Human wisdom, of course, as we all know, fails. We can all think we're wise. Lots and lots of people in the world think they're very, very wise, and they go out and they do things, particularly, say, wisdom's associated with actions, so they undertake various actions, and in actual fact, that after the event, most people can see that their wisdom was not wisdom at all, and they were actually very, very unwise. So, but when you have wisdom from the Godhead, it is wise. Remember all of those, there's a marvellous list there of how wonderful this sort of wisdom was. More valuable than rubies, more than silver, more than gold. Wisdom was a thing from the God, the wisdom from the Godhead, supernatural wisdom, was really, one might almost say, the bee's knees. And no question of it ever being wrong, inaccurate, or untrustworthy. Always spot on, straight ahead. Now, of course, the problem is for that, that if we're going to give those words of wisdom, or what we think are those words of wisdom, these sort of things which are trustworthy, accurate, and true, the difficulty is that we have to make sure that that actually is the case and we need to check them. So if I can have the next slide, please. Here are some checks. If you think God is speaking to you, and you're required to pass on, particularly if you're required to pass on words of spiritual wisdom to other people, these are one or two checks you might like to sort of go through as a thing. First one, a fairly obvious thing, something which comes from the Godhead itself will never, ever contradict Scripture. If you have something which says something that you know is different from what you know from your Bible knowledge, then that will not be a word of wisdom from God, because God does not contradict himself at all. Sorry, I've had to use him, but there's no other way of using the prolet. And it will be in accordance with what we've just seen in Proverbs 8, particularly 13 and 14. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. So if you come up with something which is pretty obviously pretty nasty, that didn't come from God either, because to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Hates pride and arrogance. So again, if your word is so that you think, oh, I'm really wonderful, I'm super holy, I've got this word from God, I'll pass it on and everyone will think I'm the greatest apostle of all time. That's not likely to be either, because God hates pride and arrogance. He also hates, hates evil behaviour and prefers speech. So there's some other checks you can put against the thing. And of course, the, the most difficult one, of course, is counsel and sound judgment of mine, because sometimes that's quite difficult to judge until after the event. Although sometimes other people, of course, can be much better at deciding whether your, your judgment is the judgment that you're putting over is sound, which is why, of course, you have the word counsel. Counsel involves other people. And the next slide please and more, more checks from Proverbs 8 I love those who love me now if, you're, if your word of wisdom is not showing love to the people you're giving it to that doesn't mean to say it has to be all sort of cosy lovey dovey but it has to show real love if you're giving over some words which are not love of people then again you're failing the test I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice. So again, righteousness and justice will be the sort of things that words of wisdom might have in them. Certainly, if they had something which was unrighteous or unjust, then the thing would fail the test. This, of course, is like a lot of tests. 
in the sense that none of these things are going to tell you that this is definitely a word of God, but if they fail this test, it works the other way, and you can say this probably is not a word of God. And I'll bestow a rich inheritance on those who love me, making their treasuries full. Treasuries there, of course, is not financial. It's not money. This is not uh, a prosperity gospel. This is, this is treasury of life. So you make their life full. So in other words, when you have a word of wisdom, it's going to be something which is going to be for the betterment of the people you're giving it to. It's not going to be for your own benefit. It's not going to be for some sort of ethereal holiness. It's going to be something practical and useful to the people you're giving it to. Next one, please. And here's some other ones from different places. From 1 Corinthians 12 itself, the point of the Spirit being revealed in each one is so that all may benefit. All are there is the people who obviously are getting that. Maybe other people, of course. You never know if you're giving a word of wisdom to some person, and it's a true word of wisdom. Maybe it's something which says that they are to do something more for God. We are talking about that this morning. Maybe that they want to go and become ministers in some way. They may want to become missionaries, and they're not too sure. And the word of God says, yeah, go for it. And of course, that will benefit far more than just them. Remember, it's the one spirit, the same one, whose work produces all these things. So if you're in a big group, and we know we have big groups, and people are supposedly giving words of wisdom, or one person saying that one, and that person saying something completely different over there, then you know it's not working. Because it's one spirit working together for the good of everything. So you can't have opposite things going on. Somewhere along the line, if that's happening, the words are not necessarily, somebody's words are not from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit isn't divided against him or herself. It's one spirit. And James, James, one of those quote there from James, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and then it's and sincere. Note all of those things in there. So again, if you're either imparting a word of wisdom or you're receiving a word of wisdom, they're the sort of things that you would expect it to be like. And if it isn't like that, if it fails some of those tests, then you have to be slightly cynical or dubious about it um, actually coming from, as a word of wisdom from, from the Holy Spirit. And some biblical examples. Uh, slide 14. Now here's a one that was mentioned actually by Scott the other day. Steve, when he was going through Acts. Stephen, who of course was a very early uh, one of the apostles or disciples, which both probably. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freed men, as it was called, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Again, this isn't saying that Stephen was born as a super wise man and had all this earthly wisdom so that he could argue against the people who were against him, but the Holy Spirit gave him such powerful words in this circumstance that the earthly words of the people who were against him could not maintain their argument. You know what happened in the end. They, they martyred him. But nonetheless, in terms of words, Stephen's words from the Holy Spirit defeated the words, these human words. So there you have 
an example where the spiritual wisdom defeated the earthly wisdom. And the next one is one from the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Now this is Daniel's little group of people, uh, Israelites, over in Babylon. And I'm sure they were quite wise people, but the reason that they could come up with the right answers for all the various things that they were asked about, dreams, and come up with the interpretation of the rest of it, wasn't because they were so much more earthly wise than the Babylonian um, magicians and enchanters, who were also probably extremely clever and wise in an earthly sense, but because the Holy Spirit gave them the answers. So here again, God's answers overruled all the earthly ones, and all the people who thought they were clever, which no doubt the magicians and enchanters and all the others in the Babylonian court all thought they were all absolutely brilliant people. But in actual fact, it was God's Holy Spirit talking through Daniel's little group that actually proved that actually it's God that has the wisdom and not necessarily human beings. And one from Luke. Make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Now this is quite a, a one for our times really, isn't it? Because in actual fact, sometimes, of course, we have discussions with people. And if you're not careful, you can get into very, very, sometimes quite nasty conversations with people who disagree with your particular thing as a believer in Christ. Um, sometimes people are very opposed to that. And it's very easy to get into what's almost a quite nasty sort of ping-pong thing, ping-pong battle. And that's not the way to behave. If instead of immediately giving someone a retort that you thought from your own wisdom, if you pray a bit for the Holy Spirit, you might find that the Holy Spirit gives you the words which are not only far wiser than any of yours will be, but they are the ones which, if something's ticking away in the other person's heart, might actually get them to respond in the right way. Whereas if you're responding boom, 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 boom in an argument, then the chances are, of course, the other person will similarly respond. And all that will happen then, of course, is that you have a little bit of acrimony, nothing's gained by anybody, and it's really a disaster. But if the Holy Spirit gives you words, the Holy Spirit, of course, part of the Godhead, it's all knowledgeable, and that's the point. And it may well be that the reason that that person you're talking to is actually antagonistic towards your belief. It's because the Holy Spirit's been nagging them. And it may well be that God is on their case. And therefore they fight against that, and the enemy helps them to fight against that by being antagonistic. And so if you get words from the Holy Spirit, who actually is aware of that, then that may well actually suddenly tip the thing over. And perhaps not at, the mo at that moment, but later on, those words that you have imparted might well actually make something change inside that person. And they may well then have a very different view and may well come to the Lord, as we would phrase it. So there's a lot to be gained in using these and using that before we use that. Because very often what comes out of that um, is, is on the basis of ready, fire, aim. Whereas ready, aim, fire is usually a better thing for hitting the target. So things to think about. The next slide, please.
Now remember, we can use them, as I've said, to show an individual what God may be asking them to do. But if you're doing that, you need to be very careful. Because even if the words, you're, we've already talked about the words not being words of wisdom from God, but even if they are, sometimes, of course, you have to, particularly if you know the person, or you know their background, but even if you don't, you need to be very sensitive as to how that's phrased. You know, we are not Old Testament prophets. We're not going up saying, God says, this is the word of the Lord. You know, if you ever want to put anybody's back up, even somebody who's quite a you know, strong believer, that's the way to do it. And you need to carefully phrase this so that it actually registers. Again, we're talking about things which are pure speech, things which are going to work in a godly way, things that are going to work, and things that are going to enhance the people, things which are going to build them up. And shouting at them as if you're some special spokesman for God, which rather more is about you rather than them, isn't actually going to do that. If you're speaking to a group, and that may be, it may be that you have a word for a group. It may be that you think a group, a church, fellowship, whatever, needs to do something different. And you're quite certain that God is actually laying on your heart something that you think that that, that, that should, should happen. Then, again, that needs to be checked very carefully. Um, Karen and I have been around long, long enough and have seen things where people have been absolutely convinced because they said so. That God was telling you to do that. And we've seen things go completely wrong. We've seen literally thousands of pounds wasted. We've seen all sorts of disasters. Because people knew that they were speaking the word of God. But obviously after the event it proved that they were not speaking the word of God. Worse than even losing the money and other things. uh, People have become divided. Uh, People have left churches. And all those sort of things. If that's the end. If that's likely to happen then clearly that is not God. Because as I've put there, remember, the enemy has lots of wisdom too. All wisdom does not come from God. The enemy and his little minions have been around for a very, very long time. And they know how people work. They know how to switch people from one thing to another. They know exactly which buttons to press. And there's nothing more effective for to confuse Christians than for Christians to believe that God is specially telling them to do something which is not right. And if you've never read the Screwtape Letters, um, I recommend it. It's a C.S. Lewis book. It's a brilliant book. And it's uh, letters between a, a senior demon and a, a lesser demon about how to get the new Christian to go astray. Now, so always remember, when you're giving these things, there are three parties always involved. There could be God. If it is, that's great. It's always you, because you are the mouthpiece. But but as well as God, there is the other side. There is the enemy. And it's very, very important when you're acting as the mouthpiece that you've got the words from the right side and not the wrong side. And that's why I've commended some of those checks. And that's why it's always worthwhile very carefully considering if you think God's saying something to you to make sure that you have got that right. And if you're in any doubt, be honest. And Karen and I have done prayers for things when we thought we had a word of wisdom and we've just been honest enough to say, we think this is what God is saying, but you need to test it. Or I have, I have been, I've got this picture of something. It may be right, it may not be. Don't be afraid to be honest because that's far better, say, than trying to pretend that you're 
one of the Old Testament prophets. Thus saith the Lord. Well, thus saith the Lord may not be true. It may be somebody else who's doing the sayething. So, so be very careful. Now, one thing to remember about these things is that words of wisdom, as we were talking about, as we said about words of knowledge, are rare. You know, this is not something that necessarily is going to happen every day, because it says in the 1 Corinthians 12, it's as the Spirit decides. You, know, you, might get a, you might get a batch of them. You might get a whole lot. Or you might get nothing for years. But you won't necessarily know how often it's going to be. And you won't know who it's going to be. It can be anybody. It's the Holy Spirit who decides. It's not the super holy. It's not the leaders of the church. It's anybody that the Holy Spirit decides is going to be the vessel to deliver that message. And that's God's decision, not yours. But do be, be ready to be receptive with all the checks and balances that we've said, but do be ready to be receptive to the fact that God may be speaking to you in a special way. So we've talked about earthly wisdom, we've talked about spiritual wisdom, and we've talked about the ways of discerning that things are actually from God. So if it's all right with you, uh, please do join in with a, a prayer at the end, which I've put together, um, and uh, join in with me. Lord, thank you for the people... You have placed in my life who speak truth, love, and your words of wisdom. Give me the discernment to know when you're using someone to speak instruction to me, and give me the strength and courage to follow through with that advice, even when it's hard to do so. Should I be blessed to pass on your words of wisdom to others, give me that same discernment and sensitivity in passing those on to others, never to make myself look good or super holy, but always for your glory and the expansion of your kingdom. Amen. Thank you. Before Craig uh, finishes off the service, I just want to say thank you very much, Gordon. Next week, you've got me uh, talking about discernment. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, no, I noticed you tucked that little bit in at the end there. Uh, but uh, so I'm, it, it is listed in, in Corinthians 12 as discerning of spirits. Uh, but you might also want to look at uh, Hebrews 5.14 as well. But, the, uh, but we're going to be looking at dis how to discern next week. Craig. All right, if you'd all like to get your Bibles. No, I was joking. Um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, thank you, Gordon. That was I like that. You know, when you're saying about um, the way, like the wisdom on the earth is obviously our 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 way. There is wise people, but the wisdom actually comes from a place before earth was created. So it's like, yeah, listen out. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. So if I just would just uh, have a prayer on that, and uh, we'll say goodbye. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Lord, can I just say thank you for? Everything that's been put in place today, everyone has helped uh, serve everyone's servings, needings, wantings. Um, but yeah, just just to, for everyone to leave today with whatever it is that they felt uh, from everything that's happened today on their heart, let them take that through this week and let it charge them up for anything that comes in front of them, then people they may see, greet, or people they may see, like in just general every week, daily things. 
um, and just help us all be strong in your faith, Father. And uh, yeah, amen. Thank you. Um, if anyone needs prayer, there's a prayer corner over there. Anyone that hasn't quite yet got there with the Lord, we've got people giving their heart to the Lord over this side. So, yeah, and if you can help tidy up, that would be really nice. Thank you.